It's Keith's World, Keith's World, part-time. Excellent. That's right, everybody. It is 544 in Corpus Christi, Texas, and you're listening to Keith's World. 644. Uh, I am way off, and I don't even think you live in Corpus Christi. <laughs> See, Texas, first of all, you're listening to the podcast, so we have, for the third time, Probably the most famous gamer and the best one, and a great man, Keith Carlson, back on the show. Keith, thank you for coming on, my friend. Matt, thank you very much for inviting me. Pleasure to be on, as always. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, I know you took a little hiatus from like social media for a while, which is always a good idea, I think. But mm-hmm. you returned, and it was kind of like, to me, when Nintendo came out with N64. You were a little... you like. They needed something different, and then you came back, and I was like, I have a reason to believe again. Like, Keith is back on the scene. Because you're just such a great guy, and you're always... I appreciate that. You too, sir. Yeah, I wish I lived close to you, you know? Um, I know. Texas is a, is a whole other country, from what I hear. So. It is. It's a unique state. All west, it's all desert. North, you got, like, plains and all that, and grasslands. East, it's piney woods, and then south, you got uh, beaches and palm trees. It's amazing. It's like another country. It is. Where are you in Texas? Towards the Gulf Coast? Yes, I'm right up the Gulf Coast. So, like, is there a lot of of seafood restaurants and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. The shrimp is phenomenal out there. A lot of surf and turf. Good, Good steak, good shrimp. Oysters are excellent. I'm I feel about. like every everybody carries in Texas, so I could walk around with a holster and a cowboy hat, and I'd be okay, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yep. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm just about 180, 90 miles away from, about 180 miles from Mexico. Oh, wow. You're a little bit closer probably than I am. I think you're about probably 150, 160. Yeah, yeah, about that. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. But Texas so is on my bucket border. list. I want to go to Texas. I was just talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, I want to see the Alamo. I want to go to San Antonio. Oh, San Antonio is awesome. That is, is it? You've been there. Place. I love San An. Oh, the that's so Walk, cool. The Alamo, some of the best Tex-Mex you can have. Oh, I'm all about it. I'm all about Tex-Mex, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you want just... to go get good, authentic, like just regular Mexican food, like street tacos and all that, go to Brownsville, McAllen, that area. Pretty good. Cameron County, Hidalgo County. Yep. Now, you posted a video recently, and I don't know if you posted it publicly or if it was just on your Facebook page, but I watched it, and you did a walkthrough of mm-hmm. your of you know all the consoles that you have and the video yes. games. And uh-huh. just to give the listeners an idea, the video was like 11 minutes long, and it's <laughs> not because Keith rambles or like takes his time. He has that many gaming consoles. I think you have every gaming console like ever made available to the public and then like yes then pretty some. much like the regular main ones but not like the some of the obscure ones but you wouldn't want those anyway right no the ones i, I kind of like to have uh, the only main one i think that's pretty much new i don't have is like the xbox x or s series that came out a couple of years ago yeah but you wouldn't need that with everything no. that you have. yeah because you have um everything from and i don't know if these are in order, but you have like the original Atari from, I think it was what seventy seven, seventy seven, which is amazing. Atari's that was like the first console. That was there were some that predated it. I have the Fairchild Channel Left that came out a year earlier. That was a the first video game console that has uh, interchangeable ROM cartridges. That came out in nineteen seventy six. I also got a few Pong consoles prior to that. Some. Uh, Magnavox Odyssey series. I also have an Atari Super Pong console that came out in the mid '70s as well. And I also have the first video gaming console that was released to the general public, and that was the Magnavox Odyssey. And this is the 50th anniversary of the system. It came out in August 1972. Wait, you have the Odyssey? Yep, the original from '72. That must have cost a fortune. It was a few hundred bucks. That's a good. That's a good buy, though, to have that. Yeah, I got it for about five hundred. Now, is it in, like, working condition after 50 years? Oh, it works perfect. I got all the, <laughs> it's in the completing box, got all the overlays for it. I just use that as a pretty much, like, a pretty much a set aside right there and just have it as a display piece. I wouldn't be able to leave the house if I had all that. I have a tough time. 
leaving the house with just the end with the hacked and you know a nintendo classic but if mm-hmm. i had all that see i i like i'm a guitar guy i collect a lot of guitars mm-hmm. and a lot of them i don't play because they're like i don't play a lot i should say like i have a 64 uh gibson and i just don't play it a lot because it's the left like, ball yeah nice and and i exactly and i like I don't want to play because I'm like I don't want to like mess it up. Like I'm very careful with it. I should say. Are you like that with the old gaming consoles? Like yes, I know? am. I always I, I always dust them off. Yeah, in good shape. Make test them every now and then. Make sure they're working properly. And they all do. Yeah, it's a fun house. Just I've never been to Keith's house, but I really want to go because it's like you have like the Pac-Man light going on, and you have like the arcade games and like the consoles. It's like a museum, kind of. Yes, and in the, the Dallas area, there's a video game museum called uh, the National Video Game Museum. That's in uh, Frisco, which is north of Dallas. Everyone calls mine the 2.0 version of it, or the beta version, because it's a little sm- a smaller. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably not much different, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you probably go to those places, and you're like, oh, yeah, great. You have a ColecoVision. That's fantastic. I the have Coleco four. Vision, that's a great system. Okay, yeah, so I wanted to ask you, you have, so you said you have the Odyssey, you have the original Atari, I think it's the 20... The 2600, I have many variations of it. They had uh, five different variations released for it from 1977 until the mid-80s. Oh, so you have multiple. Yes, there's a heavy sixer that was out from 77 to 78, it's got thicker uh, trim on there, and it's six switches. Light sixer that was 78 to about 1980, had a bit of a thinner more streamlined uh molding on it but still the six switches and it reduced the four switches in 1980 the four switch wood grain version and then there was an all black version but has the same pretty much design and look as the four switch woody that came out in 82 83 and in the little smaller version that's just the they call it the atari 2600 junior that was in the mid to late 80s is that the one with the wood kind of finish on it Nope, that was the one that kind of, it's all plasticky. It has like a little bit of chrome uh, p- uh, piece in the middle of it and then a rainbow stripe. The wood grain, that was from the late 70s, early 80s. I always thought that was cool. It's like the old. I love that. The yeah, it's like the station wagons that. with the wood on it. It's like, yes, before it's unnecessary, TV. but it's it goes with like the furniture. Because if you think about it, you sent me an image and uh, of the prices adjusted for inflation, and in 1977 that was 800 bucks. I, I mean, it was 200 bucks, but for it would be like 800 today, right? I know what three quarters of what it man in it, an adjustment of today was. It's insane. My growing up years later. What's that? Forty five years later, that's like man, three paid 75 percent more almost. It's it's unbelievable, um, and I guess when they did that, it's like an investment. You know, families buying that, uh-huh. so they did like the wood thing. Like it'll go under the TV. It's like kind of classy, but um, growing up, we had a uh, my parents had a TI ninety nine or a TI yeah ninety nine four A right exactly, and that was expensive. I think they got it in like eighty three, eighty four or something. But um, that was the first. 4a i had into into gaming and it had pac-man and hopper and to me that was the coolest thing in the world and they still have it but um i just thought that was the i i I love there's something about those like late 70s early 80s gaming because it it, nintendo wasn't quite out yet so Mm. it was yeah it was actually it was popular in japan at the time they had they had their own pong console called the tv game something and then also the famicom came out in 1983 and then the that Famicom. Was like, yep, the, uh, yeah. the family computer. And then that's when it became the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America when it came out a couple of years later. And they years. switched it up with, um, as far as the Nintendo, the, if I'm not mistaken, the Mario, Super Mario Brothers Lost Worlds, which you hold a record in, by the way. Uh-huh. Which is amazing that you hold a record in that. And we're going to get to this later, but that in Castlevania. But that's for later because I mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. But I heard, or I read, I should say, I don't know if this is true, The Lost Worlds was supposed to be the sequel to Super Mario Brothers for North America, but they thought it was, like, too hard. Mm-hmm, that is correct. So are we, like, dumb Americans that they're like, oh, no, they can't do this. Give them another game. And that's why we got that, like, weird Super Mario Brothers 2. Yep, 
that was based off of Doki Doki Panic, which is a game originally released there. And then the character sprites, seems like they could use Mario characters on there. And then just switch it out to that and then a few other tweaks and all oh, that. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Doki Doki. Yomi Kojo, Doki Doki Panic. I love how you know that. That's... To, uh, uh, three factory heart pounding panic or something like that. Damn. Because I, I love Super Mario Brothers too. I remember getting that. That is a great game. Yeah, as a kid. Which, by the way, video game video games have been the same price for like 40 years. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, or they're usually around like 50, 60 bucks. But I remember... I remember getting Super Mario Brothers 2, and to this day, I still love it. But it's so different than 1 and 3 with the side-scrolling. Yes. and uh, not the, I mean, it's side-scrolling, but with like the, just the way it is, that it makes sense that it's like a completely different game altogether. And when I was 9, 10, when I was 8, 9 years old, I was like thinking the same thing. I was like, why is this game odd and not... And why is 1 and 3 like what it traditionally is in the clo- in for Super Mario World? And only I found out around 1992 about what the Super Mario Brothers 2 controversy was. And then a year later, that's when the Super NES console, the, they had the release of Super Mario All-Stars, which yes. includes the Lost Levels. And I was like, oh, that's the game that we never got. Oh, that's and, what it was. That's how it played yep. out. But I first played that in uh, 1993, and it took me a few days to beat it. It's amazing. that you Wait, you're talking about the Lost Levels? Yeah, back in 93 when I first played it. It took me until the Nintendo Classic came out that I could pause it, save it, and cheat to beat those games. <laughs> yeah, Spade State. I never beat... Yeah, the save Spade. I've never beat... the uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 was the only one I've ever beaten in its original run. 2 and 1 I finally beat like in the last 5 years because nice. I was able to save it because I would get so frustrated as a kid. And same with Jurassic Park, the SNES game. Oh, that's a great game. I love that, but man, the ending was just... Man, take all that time to beat the game, and then the ending was kind of garbage. Right? It's like, okay, the helicopter's here, bye. I'm like, what, what just happened? survived Jurassic Park, congratulations, that was it. <laughs> that game was so cool, though, with like the... Because uh, I'm a... Jurassic Park's like my favorite movie, and that's I love... great movie. Uh, it's like one of the best. And then, Absolutely. but that game, there was no save, so you'd have to no play it for like... No or anything. Eight hours, yeah. Like I remember in the summertime, I used to be like, "All right, this is the summer I'm going to beat Jurassic Park," and I'd spend like a day, like an entire day, from morning to night, and like I just ended up like, "I'm like I can't like leave this on all night," you know. Like my parents mm-hmm. need the TV. Like I, I never yep. beat it until this year, but um, it was very complicated uh, at the end with like the raptor eggs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's like you had to get a map or call the 800 number for Nintendo to get clues and hints and all that, only to rub your parents' house phone bill and only, Kate, what did you do? Do you, are, do you remember those days where you had to call? Yep, it was like four, like a couple bucks a minute. Yeah, there was like, I remember Star Tropics. It came with an instruction thing, and there was mm-hmm. like clues, like 1492 passwords. Yep. And I couldn't find the book. And I eventually did find it. My parents just like kept them in a box or something. But I had to like call like the hotline. I'm like, I don't know like what to do here. And it was like five bucks a minute or something like that. <laughs> it, for like early nineties, that was like a lot of money. It was. I mean, it's a lot of money now, five bucks a minute, but it was like crazy. <laughs> and then my dad was like, We got the uh I got like the Nintendo magazine and I guess he was like trying to save money and he would like read it and be like, Okay, do you know about this cheat right here? I'm like, No. He's like, Well, just so you don't have to call, like, keep an eye on this. This is for Mario 2. Did you know this? I'm like, I do now, thanks. Like, they were trying to, like, help me, like, not make these calls. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, real quick, back to the gaming console. So, uh-huh. you have, you have multiple Ataris. Do you have, you have the Intellivision? Yes, I do. I have the, the first model, which came out in 1979. The model was, yeah, it was the 2609 model, the wood grain one with the gold plate on there. That was the original console that was many that was uh released as a test market in late seventy nine and then later on in nineteen eighty was when they officially released it as a national release. I think it was in California like somewhere in California, I think where the for national marketed. Yes, and then the national release. Because it looks was, cool. Uh, and, and I'm wondering, like, are, are are they the same kind of games as Atari or were they their own like there was some that were pretty much identical to it. A lot of them are head-to-head games like, uh, they of course have a 
Dungeon and Dragons and all that. And they also have some sports games head to head, but they have some of their own unique games. And there's also some Atari 2600 games from there that was ported onto that as well. Like Space Invaders? Uh, that was Space Armada. Oh, okay. It was under a different name, but it plays the same as Space Invaders. And you have the ColecoVision? ColecoVision, yep. ColecoVision. That was an advanced system for its time when it came out in 1982. It was like playing an actual arcade at home. Oh, really? Yes, and they also had an adapter, and this was crazy for the time. They released an adapter. You just plug it in. It's an expansion module number one. You plug it into the front of the console on the bottom right, and you can play Atari 2600 games on it. And Atari got PO'd about it, and they wanted to file a lawsuit off of it. But apparently uh, there was no uh, nothing there because it was off-the-shelf parts, though. But this Coleco had to pay a small amount of royalties to Atari on any of its that, devices sold. Really? That's a pretty impressive hack for the early 80s. Yes, it's like you play Xbox games on your PlayStation or PlayStation games on your Xbox like a thing. Plus, yeah, exactly. It's like you could switch them up. Plus, yeah, the technology is so new then for mm -hmm. homing, you know, gaming consoles for, for personal use. Like, I mean, at home, not like an arcade game that had just one game. Mm -hmm. That it was kind of like a free-for-all. Like, I'm sure there were like a lot of laws established, you know. Um, uh. It's like... Uh, you read these old stories and watch these documentaries, like the one on E.T., the video game, and uh -huh. we talked about Custer's Revenge. Um, <laughs> Custer's Revenge really existed uh, to the listeners. Um, just Google Custer's Revenge. Uh, you've played this game, right? Yes, I have. Is it, I mean, at, by today's, for the listeners not familiar, it's considered games.net ranked it the fifth most offensive game of all time. And basically, it's your Custer... And you're like raping a Native American woman. Yep. And then you got, when you're uh, raping her, there's uh, all these arrows shot by Native Americans trying to harm you. You got to get out of the way while you're doing that. <laughs> it's, I'm not, I mean, I'm laughing because it's just so ridiculous that this game existed. <laughs> and it's an adult game. And the, I did a little homework on this. It's obviously not for kids. It said not for kids on the box. But there was an instruction manual that said if your kid finds you playing this, Tell them that he's dancing with the Native American. <laughs> like, they gave instruction on how to, like, cover your ass. But who was this game made for? Like, you're not going to... It's not like porn where, like, a video game... I, like, it's just... I, it's like a joke. But it, it really existed. And it sold, like, 80,000 copies because, like, the government tried to shut it down. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. They must have made their money, like, 300 times over again. Yeah, and they, those game, those yeah, copies of those games go for a good chunk of money now. It's like loose copies will go from about probably eighty to a hundred bucks now. Really, a box, complete box will go for a few hundred. And have you played? You played this on like an emulator? Yes, I have. I don't have an actual physical copy of that game. Is it? I mean, I, I now I gotta now I gotta find it online and play it. Like it's like a car crash. Like I can't not look at it. <laughs> it is pretty it's horrendous but it is kind of funny at the same time though it's like it's like a game you just want to play for shits and giggles right and the artwork on it it's like you know like a sexy kind of native american woman on like a pole and then there's like a yep. cartoon custom almost looks like a stripper almost yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but that was for atari correct the atari 2600 correct awesome okay and then this one i don't know uh the nineteen. This is nineteen eighty six. Master mm -hmm. System. The Sega Master System. Yeah. Oh, well, that was Sega. Yep. That was what was released. That was correct. That was released that year. And that it had the red, like, kind of uh, plate on it. Yep. It had a real streamlined look on it. Had that LED light with the play light on there when for start. And also there was a little bit of a there was a credit card slot too on the bottom right. There was games that was released on that media called uh, the Sega card. Only 15 games, if I recall, were released for it. And, of course, cartridge games. That's so cool, though. Was it advanced for a time, or was it, like, kind of uh, crappy? Pretty kind of, kind of advanced for its time, because that was the first uh, card game. You, know, you remember the TurboGrafx-16? They had the Hue cards for its media devices to play its games. Yeah, you needed to have it. Yeah, yep, and a few years earlier, Sega had that with its Master System. 
Sega was kind of ahead of the game at that point, no mm-hmm. pun intended. And they also had some games where you have uh, used 3D glasses on them, too. The three glasses for the mas- the Sega Master System? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Were they, like, legit? or? Yeah, legit 3D glasses. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and you have one of those, too. Yes, I do. It's amazing. The Model 1. They had a Model 2, which came out in, uh, I believe it was around 89 or 90. And it lasted just a few years until around 92, and it was discontinued. But the console was just, it was popular in South America and parts of Europe. And it's, I think they're still making games for them over there, if I recall correctly. Oh, my gosh. Hey, if it, if it works, it works. Yep. And then after that, uh, 1986 Nintendo, of course you own that. Um, yep. And I, I owned a few versions of this. I, I got the original. It was the greatest Christmas of my life. It was 1987, maybe. Eight, maybe it was 88. I got but, mine in 88. Yeah, yeah it was that. 88. I think like all of us oh, got a Nintendo man, that, that Christmas. Was, that was one of my favorite and most memorable Christmases of my life. Right? Yeah. I I remember getting it for Christmas, and we had, like, family over that day. Mm -hmm. And my parents weren't even trying to make me, like, socialize. They're like, he's going to be down there all day. Like, it's fine. Let him. It's Christmas. So I spent the entire day. And then, like, my aunt's husband was there. My uncle now, but, like, her boyfriend at the time, he was, like, Uh 20, 22, maybe. He came down, and we were playing Mario Brothers. I think we were playing until, like, 8 o'clock at night from, like, the morning... It was the greatest. It was like a new world opened it up. Was it you know me, what I mean? My mom and my dad were just all playing Mario and Duck Hunt just the whole, like that whole day, the whole time I was off for winter break before I went back to school. That was such a memorable time. Oh yeah, so memorable. And Mario Brothers is all you needed. It was that Duck Hunt and World Class Track Meet. Yep, you uh, had the. That was the power set you must have had. I just had the action. Yeah, I had the power pad, and it. It it worked, but not as good as you would think. So like you yeah, had to like some, I heard there were some bugs or hit and misses on the power pad. Oh, there were bugs. You had to for it to like truly work, you had to like hold on to the TV itself. This is the days when it was like a big box TV. Oh, those and, like CRTs. Yeah, yeah. You had to hold on to that for like leverage and like stamp Man. your feet because wow. you needed like pressure. But it <laughs> it was so great. But I actually like. I, I there was one. You have it. I don't know the name of it, but it was a. It was a Nintendo, and when this one stopped, like it was getting tough to work in a few years. I think I bought. It looked like a Super Nintendo, but it was a Nintendo like a front loader. Yep, that was the, yeah the top loader that bought. top loader that came which, out in '93. Yeah, I got that too when that came out because my Nintendo. I was still playing. Um, it that worked like a charm. That's that's what I, I still. Well, I use the classic today, but up until I got the classic, I would still use that. It works like a gem. Yeah, the only bad thing, though, is you got sort of a bit of, you can barely see it. There's some lines across the screen, and they never had that available for um, AV out. That was kind of a bummer. Oh. It was only an RF. It's a setback. Yep. But the the I, the one I absolutely love and adore, it's just all that nostalgia is the front loader one, the toaster model. I have a blinking light wind device, which you just slide the card in, and it just works like that. You don't have to push down or anything, which bends the connector pins and wears them out. Oh, really? You just slide yep. it in? It's called blinking light wind. They sell it on eBay. I think there's a website, too, that sells it also. No wear and tear? None. Uh, it's perfect. You um, just take out that old adapter or something right there, and then you just take it out, slide the thing in there, and you just always do is just push the whole thing in there without bending down sticks right to it and it works that's a it's a brilliant idea actually to save you on all that money because the wear and tear it's it it happens mm-hmm. um the only thing that solution uh that's a solution to fixing it of course is just getting a little kind of a needle or screwdriver to bend the pins back up or even boil it in hot water oh i've heard about that that's mm-hmm. not a myth that really works doesn't it that's what i heard i never tried it myself though well, you don't need to. You're, uh, you, you know how to bypass all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is correct. So, because you're a professional, you don't need to do these tricks like I would do. Like, I'm like, let's get a blow dryer. And like, no, no, it's going to fry like the circuits. I'm like, nah, we'll try it. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. Um, the, those games, those consoles were built to last. Like, you could drop an N64 mm-hmm. from the Empire State Building, and that thing would work in a second. 
same thing X- with the original Xbox. That those things were heavy duty. Oh yeah, yeah. Atari, the newer they ones can, they can withstand a nuclear war. Oh hell yeah! You could. I mean, those things were built to last. Um, after that is Genesis, which I've never had. This is 1989. I've only played at friends' houses, but you, I'm sure you had the original Genesis. Yes, I did. I got mine in 1992. So cool. So much yes, better sir. too. When when those came out, and then I remember like going over. I was on vacation with some friends, and they like had the Genesis, and they're playing Echo the Dolphin, which I I love. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was just playing like Final Fight on the Super Nintendo. This is so much better. <laughs> like they were so much cooler. I thought at the time, like Sonic mm-hmm. was like the graphics. I mean, at the time, were like yeah, amazing. It was playing like a roller coaster in a video game. That was just when I first saw it, my jaw dropped. Yeah, it's like, what is this? I just went, wow. Oh my gosh. Do you play the original uh, Sega Genesis ever? Oh yes, I love that was one of my favorite systems growing up. Yeah, it gets you. Like, there's so many games. There was a, there was a game called I think it was Moonwalker, like Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. There was an arcade game in that, and they made a port of it for the Genesis. Yeah, well, I played that game a few times, and the music's like Smooth Criminal and stuff. Yep. And, and it was a, it was a I love that game. I don't know how well that it is up, a good one, but is it good? It is a good game. Rest in peace, MJ. Rest in peace, MJ. Um, this next one I don't know, Keith, but I know you own it. It's 1989. It went for 365. This is the Turbo Graphics. Yes, sir. Got that one. It's not Sega. Nope. It is NEC. Okay, so it's a whole different company altogether. Correct. How is it? Like, what? How does it hold up? It it's held up pretty good. I consider that to be the four man's Neo Geo console. Which is next, which is a, a significant price jump. Oh uh, yes. Adjusted for inflation, it's eleven twenty five today. It yep. was six hundred and fifty bucks in nineteen hundred bucks back in ninety ninety one. Oh man. man. It, and this is a whole other company. Back in the day. That's a lot of money. I know. I didn't even know these existed then, probably for a good reason. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I think I don't think I know anybody that had these. It was all the rich kids that pretty much owned them back in the day. It's like, man, you don't see it's like a typical average person having one of those. No, uh, yeah, I. But you have one. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do, and I also got the MDS converter, which is the arcade version. I can get one of the cartridges from an arcade and play it on my console. Oh hell yeah! How does it? How does it? How are the games on there? They're great. Do you like fighting games? some kind of sports games and shooters and all that, that's the console for you. Hey, that was one of the kings of the fighting games. right? There See, I love the fighting games. That was my thing. King like, of the Fighters. Yeah, Double Dragon, Street Fighter. Yep. Like Mortal Kombat. When those games came out, that was like, alright, this is the entire summer. Th- those are the games... I don't know if you were like me, but like in middle school and stuff, you would mm-hmm. like think about them and you're like, I just want to get home to play these games. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? I was like, I just want to, I'm going to say whatever I have to say to, to, to not get in trouble at school and then just go home and play. Yep. That's what all of us were like. You know, it's like, that's mm-hmm. all, and especially PC games, like when Civilization came out, mm-hmm. which I played today for like three hours. Civ 3, still addicted to Civ. Um, those games, I'm like, do I want to fake sick today so I can stay home and play this? Like, I was so addicted to some of these games. Like, I couldn't get enough. Mm-hmm. And say what you want about video games, people, but they improve hand-eye coordination. And it, it, it gave us an advantage later on in life with being, you know, coordination and anticipation of that things and multitasking. It's so true. Also, back in the day, it was just fun getting together with your friends, having weekend gatherings and just staying up all night, having pizza, snacks. Oh, yeah. And just up all through the night and then through the morning, just playing GoldenEye on the N64. Oh, the best. Perfect Dark. We, we still play, my buddy Matt and I, um, well, he moved from L.A., but up until he moved... We would get together every Saturday. We'd hook up two TVs with splitters, and then we would newspaper for multiplayer. The other person's screen, you know, so they couldn't see. And we would play either Goldeneye or, if it was PS2, Nightfire multiplayer for like four or five hours a night because it was 
it, there's they still it's still like the greatest pastime in the world is to play these first person shooters yep, to me. Man, nineteen ninety-eight, man. Oh man, that was just what happened every single weekend. Just goldeneye, goldeneye, goldeneye. Man, I miss those days. God, it's hard to believe quarter of a century has passed since that time. I can't even think about it. It's amazing. Uh when N sixty or I'm sorry, Super Nintendo came out and mm-hmm. you know, Mario Kart was there. That was like there were some people in my neighborhood that, you know, in the summer they'd call or I'd call them. It was like eight, nine in the morning and they're like, Cart, wanna play cart? It was like, Yeah, yeah, let's do cart. And we we would it was Mario Kart all day long. And it was like three, four people, whoever lost gave the controller to the next person. The winner kept it. It was I must have logged in like three thousand hours of Mario Kart that summer. It was wow. Uh, it changed the game for me. Mm-hmm. That was that was a great one. I just the first one the first one and the one for the N64 are my top two favorites. Okay. Wait, the first Super the first Nintendo and then Yeah, the Super Nintendo and the N sixty four are my two favorites of that series. They're just oh, the yeah. most memorable. When N sixty four came out and you're playing the the game that came with it, the Mario game, I forget the name of it. Super Mario sixty four? Yeah. Um with him going in the water and the three D, uh, that was like That was mind blowing. Mind blowing. It was so incredible it was like nothing i had to like relearn video games because i'm like this is not the 2d you know 8-bit scroller yep, anymore. we're starting to get our taste in the 3d video gaming it changed the game mm-hmm. i still have my n64 and i will still play goldeneye before like anything else i'm like this is it this is it's the game is still great with the faces you get close to them and they have yep. like, weird faces you know like dr duke or whatever dr doak Dr. Doak, yeah. And, there I mean, was that, just nothing better than putting remote mines under those soldiers' feet and they do cartwheels and flips through the air. Oh, so good. And also, when you like get a bunch of enemies all at once and it's throwing a grenade or a, a remote miner to blow it off, the sound effects all at the same time when they're screaming. Oh, yeah. You could, you could like toy with it's them. It's so hilarious. It's amazing, and it's also funny too when you see, because uh, they use like the power of stealth in that game. Like you could sneak up on people, you know, uh-huh. like it changed the game, and to see how you could like kill different people in the game, and like the mines and the the um, proximity mines were always my favorite. I don't know why, but like I just had like a blast with them. And also in multiplayer, I used to be just the biggest dirt bag because I knew how to get up to the in the bathroom on the top of the toilet to the vents in the ceiling, and I would place that where people could spawn after they die in the oh yeah 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 they get killed again in the russian base you'd put it up there so that yep oh those are the days man i would sometimes put them on body armor also oh yeah (laughs) i forgot about the body armor that was yeah i did that too you like you pinpoint it there and they're like oh i'm gonna get some and it was great when people didn't like you didn't play with them a lot because they didn't know all your tricks so i would like slowly lure them in there and they're like what the fuck are you doing and i'm just like i don't know i'm lucky i guess and every time i the game was over i always got most dishonorable (laughs) um okay so neo geo you have obviously the next one is snes we have that that one changed the game for me when i Mm -hmm. got that as well the the next one i don't know what it is keith i'm sorry i'm not a i'm not a smart man but it's the 90 9093 Original price was seven hundred bucks, big chunk of change. The three DO, yes, sir. That was one of the first three uh, D base gaming consoles. So this is pre N sixty four, but three D. Yes, it it uh, predated even the PlayStation by a couple of years. That was what pretty it, much the start of fifth generation video gaming consoles. Okay, well, who was the company that made it? Uh, it was. I mean, it wasn't like Sega or anything, right? It was Panasonic. It, what, does it still kind of hold up today? Like looking back, yeah, not too much, really. No. It's kind of not aged very good. Okay, and a lot so, of also the games in the library were released on the original PlayStation as well. Oh, really? Yep. Cool. Gax um, was one of the original games. That's a fun platformer under that's on the PS. Some of the need, the Need for Speed game, the Road Rash game. Oh, there. I love Need for Speed. Love them. That is a good franchise right there. So good. I like the I put them in the arcade a lot. I don't think I've played them so much on the consoles. Um but 
This next one you have, and this is kind of a a coveted one for me because I know some people that had it, and I've seen it once or twice, but I've never like played it. It's the the Jaguar. Yes, sir. It wasn't as expensive, so it was still kind of like obtainable in '93. Mm-hmm. But, but most no, people that... I know had SNES, mm-hmm. like still. But what what is the Jaguar? That was Atari's last uh, main video game console they built before they tanked. It was claimed to be 64-bit, but it was dual 32-bit processor on there, so... Slow. Yeah, so it's just, it was a 32-bit system right there, but... And also, they had a CD-based device on there, which is uh, a CD-based console add-on peripheral to it, but those are rare and hard to find. Those go for about a thousand bucks. Oh, wow. And then... The 1995 brought us to the age of PlayStation. Sony PlayStation came out. Oh, yeah. Resident Evil. Um, mm-hmm. These games were not your children's video games anymore. You're like, oh, these are these are legit. That you was know? pretty much, yeah. And also, that was when everyone was starting to get into the they higher round into purchasing CD-based games. Yeah, that was a whole new, whole new situation. You know, uh, uh, my buddy Steve got the PlayStation. I I never had. Mm-hmm. I, I had a PlayStation Two when it came out. I didn't have the original. So like we go over there and play the PlayStation, and you're just like, "Wait, it's a CD?" And you're like, "Yeah, they're just CDs." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And you can even play your uh, favorite band CDs on there too. Yeah, Pearl Jam Ten. We're like, yep. "Let's just play this. <laughs> like, this is great." Got mine in 1997. There was plenty of Ride the Lightning playing on that. I hope. Oh. I was listening to that earlier today. Gosh, that album is freaking awesome. I was listening. I wasn't listening to it today. I was listening to it two nights ago. I was like, I haven't listened I to Ride the Lightning in that a long is time. Always and forever, my favorite Metallica album. Mine too. From that the artwork the to every song is is super awesome, but it's also like really well crafted. Yes. Because remember, I know we're like going off topic, but I Metallica, Kill 'Em All, which I still love. That had like a very album. basic format, and every mm-hmm. song rocked. But then by the lightning, it sounds almost like a different band altogether. They like mm-hmm. they up the game with like the ballads, you know, the in- intro intros, mm-hmm. and like I remember like when I first heard Fade to Black, it was like oh, when I first started playing wow. the guitar. I'm like, this is it's like life changing. Creeping Death is my favorite tune on that album. Oh, Creeping Death's great, and even and the also, instrumental. In fact, on Kill 'Em All, Dave Mustaine wrote a majority of the songs on that album. Yes, he did. And if he didn't leave, we wouldn't have Megadeth. I know, that's a good reason. He got kicked out of Metallica. That was, yeah, 39 years ago this month. Oh, well, it wasn't really? April 1983. Oh, wow. Yeah, we wouldn't have Megadeth if he didn't I leave. Know, man. I know, man. All the Cliff Burton ones. I mean, I like all oh, the Metallica no, albums except for like two. But Cliff Burton, man, rest his soul. I know. Um, what a bassist. He was awesome. He was probably, he, if, if he would have been around forever, he would have been the greatest of all time. Oh, easily. I think so. I mean, just the bass solo, the pulling mm-hmm. teeth is Anesthesia, of, yep. It, it's just like, it's like bass, you know, how to learn how to play the bass 101. This is what you need to get to, to be great yep. kind of thing. You modify it or uh, reinvent it by using the wah pedal with it. Oh, yeah. If, and, make, I'm not sure we have this on TV before we get back on topic. Make sure you, I'm not sure we have this on home video, but you have a Cliff Em All. The, I've seen Cliff Em All. Oh, that's a great video. It's incredible. Uh, I saw it back in like the late 90s. Jay Brown. I don't know if you remember him from oh, CB West. Jay Brown was yeah. awesome. I like Jay Brown. Yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he was, he's a good dude. And, and he was Hell like yeah. the Metallica fan, and he had like a bootleg copy. And we watched it, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like Call of Cthulhu, the instrumental on Ride the Lightning. Yes, the last and track of the album. I, I feel like all the albums, I mean, I like all their albums, but all the albums up until the Black album, which is when they changed like the, the yeah, style of music. Yeah, that's when they kind of became more mainstream and radio-friendly. Yeah, which which I love the Black album. And yeah. uh, I, I like Load and Reload, but... Like the first four albums are the ones I always go to. Like Blackened mm-hmm. the big on four. Injustice for All is my favorite Metallica song and ever. And also their uh, cover album, 
which came out in the summer of 87, Garage Days re revisited that is badass. It is badass. And, and it gets you jacked up, too. You're like, this is great. That's when Hetfield started to have that growl in his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started changing. You could hear it. Oh, man, they're so good. Um, real quick about Metallica, the guitar solo on uh, Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where he's like, wow, no, 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 no. Yep. To this day, I don't know anyone that can like properly, and I know some pretty good guitar players that cannot properly like duplicate that. It was like a certain way he like tuned it and played it. It's it's like perfection. You know what I mean? It is. Just as long as for your birthday this year, there's a dodgeball game of Breaking Glass with Slayer that they sponsor, Keith. That's all I want. <laughs> Megadeth. <laughs> Megadeth. That's all I want this year. That was so funny. <laughs> and the last guy standing that doesn't get hit wins just ten thousand dollars i would participate i would lose <laughs> but i would want to be a part of it and you're disqualified if you use plastic beer bottles it'd be amazing <laughs> who, who would you say is a better guitar player for pound for pound uh dave mustaine or kirk hammett they're both great in their every aspects but I can't. I can't decide on one or the other because I like. I like both of them in their own way. That's a good answer. Um, okay, so the PlayStation you have, uh, the Saturn, um, is funny. I know Chris Hutwalk. I don't know if you remember him. He had the yeah. Saturn, and he was really trying to, um, like get in, get us into this. And for some reason, I was like more about the PlayStation. I was like, I can't. I, I wasn't like into the Saturn. I don't know why. Maybe it was the games I saw. Mm-hmm. But is it still like hold up? Is it good? A uh, little bit, but the reason it failed was because due to the fact that the PlayStation had a bigger price cut than the, what the Saturn was going for it was a hundred dollars cheaper, and also its support for third party games and then just its library. That's just what just got PlayStation up and running right there. But the library was kind of weak. Yeah, and, but the good thing also is on the Saturn if you get the Action replay 4M card, you can play import games on it. Oh, that's a that's a plus. Yeah. And there's yeah. some good Japanese games on it too. Oh, they make the best games. Oh, of course. And the scariest ones too, if you want to go down the dark <laughs> web. Mm-hmm. Um Nintendo 64, we obviously talked about uh the Dreamcast. This one was sandwiched between the PS2 and the N64. I feel like the Dreamcast was short-lived. Only a year and a half. Yeah. Did did you have the Dreamcast like originally? No, I got it in around. I think I got it in two thousand one or two thousand two. I can't really remember off the top of my head. It was either one of those two years. Did it hold up for you? Like when you got it, was it like really cool to have? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Crazy Taxi was one of the funnest games on there. Sonic Adventure, Shenmue. Oh yeah, Shenmue. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, those those are fun games. Mm-hmm. PlayStation Two came out. This one I still play, and I have to like repurchase parts for it every few years, like controllers or like the cables because they start to get wear and tear. Yeah, I, I wore the controllers out bad on those. Oh yeah, those those were easy to wear out too. I felt like mm-hmm. with the the analog sticks, like you could you could burn those out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But man, that console was just awesome first time. That was amazing. Pretty much regular DVD player I used. Yeah, that I've used that as a regular DVD player until October of last year. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I was like, I seriously, I was like, I just have to get like a DVD player because I still have DVDs. So I was like, I'm just gonna. I bought like a forty dollar DVD player. I was like, I, I hey, can't. There you like, go. Yeah. I got. Um, it. GameCube is next. Luigi's Mansion, still a fun game in my book. Yes. Do you, do you, did you play that? Uh, that is a fun one. That's one of my favorites on there. Oh, such a such a blast. I don't know. It is. I, I, I remember GameCube. Great console. Great, yeah, it was, great controller, too. That's one of the best controllers I've ever used. Uh, yes, I thought so. I, I think so, too. I still you think it's great. you ever go to any McDonald's back in the early 2000s to mid-2000s, like around 2002 to 2005 or 6? They used to have those kiosks with N64 or um, GameCube games playing in there. Yeah, you could. They were like covered in gl- like plastic glass. Yes. Yes, they were awesome. 
They, yeah, they they were like so you couldn't steal them, but they were just yeah. like those were cool. I I wish they still had those somewhere. I know. And those and were also, cool. Good thing I liked about the GameCube was that in two thousand three they had a device where you plug underneath it to play Game Boy games in it. Oh yeah, that was with the e-reader, right? Uh, no. no. You can use the e-reader for it, but uh, they also had yeah the Game Boy Player adapter. You can play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. Oh, you mean the original Game Boy? You could play through that. Yeah, the Game Boy up to the Game Boy Advance, you can play on that system. Oh no shit! Yes, sir. Oh, that's cool. I remember you could do the e-reader with the Game Boy Advance, but I didn't know you could do that with GameCube. That's cool. Uh-huh. Yes, you can. That's awesome. Uh huh. Um, and then 2001 through 2013, it's Xbox, PS3, and Wii, and PS4, and Xbox One, which you have all of them. Mm-hmm. But my burning question for you is Wii versus Wii U. Obviously, Wii U is more advanced, it has better games, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But do you, don't you think the Wii was like more exciting when it came out? You're like, yes, it was it revolutionary. Was... He's using a remote. Revolutionary, you know? It also has the between that and the Wii U, the Wii has the much better library. I think so, totally. And I played yeah, Wii. Wii. What's Wii that? Sports. Wii Sports was just what got me addicted to it. Just having friends over on on weekends, just having bowling events. The, whole the bowling, derby. yeah, the bowling and the tennis. You're like the boxing. Oh yeah, boxing was great. Yes, best boxing game ever. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Hmm. Just oh. stay away from vodka drunkinski. <laughs> it was changed in uh, soda popinski, I believe, in the North American game. Yes, we had to be sensitive for the kitties. <laughs> to this, to this day, I have never beaten Mike Tyson or Mister Dream. Yeah, I just yeah, can't I do it. One of these days, I had no problem getting them back in the day. It took me a little bit, but really, you got him. Yep. I, I just love that Mr. Dream is the same guy as Tyson, but... He almost looks like Vanilla Ice. He does. Did you ever see somebody did an... Not an emulator, but they did a video. Uh, it's the Mike Tyson Punch-Out, but they used Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Never seen that. It's funny. You could tell they took Conor McGregor from Glass Joe and just put, like, tattoos on him and stuff. <laughs> but Floyd Mayweather, they, like, skinny down a little bit and made bald, but it's, like, hilarious. That they did that. <laughs> do you do you ever play Tyson's Punch Out? Oh, all the time. That's oh, it's great. That's one of my favorite games ever. See, I play that game like twice a week, maybe. And from Glass Joe up until, I guess Soda Popinski, it's kind of autopilot for me. Like I know the muscle memory. Like I'm not going to get hit. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But once like uh, Macho Man comes out, Super Macho Man, mm-hmm. I start to get a little sloppy. Yeah, because he has that unpredictable uh, twist punches. Yeah. And Sandman is another one that's a pain in the butt. Sa- oh, Sandman, yeah. Because he, he is unpredictable, and he kind of, like, it's punks you a little bit. It's those jabs that throw me off right there. When he does those three uppercuts, it's easy to dodge. Just those jet- quick jabs is what... Ugh. Yeah, that's and I, I still play Super Punch-Out, and and he's he's a little bit easier than that, but... It's mm-hmm. it's super macho man again that I'm like I can't I can't crack this guy. But let me ask you a burning question. Settle yeah. an argument for me I had with a friend. Yes. He's convinced the timing is off in the NES classic with Punch Out. Um because the TV's bigger and it wasn't made for that. That's not true, is it? Not I've really experienced anything of that sort on this. It's settled song. then. It's settled. I was right. Then there's nothing wrong with it. Because we were playing, and he's like, the timing's off, the timing's off. And I'm like, it's like the same game. It's not, it's not off. He's like, yeah, the timing's off. From, And I'm like, I don't think so. I think you're just rusty. But it's good to know. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you hold world records in Castlevania. Yep, and the arcade version. Of, that's the arcade version. Castlevania, yes, sir. And Super Mario Brothers uh, Lost Worlds. Yes, Lost sir. Lost Okay, where did you accomplish this? This was in Texas, mm-hmm. I assume. And yeah, this was at an arcade. Yeah, the versus Castlevania, that was done at the arcade. That was at Free Play Arlington. Do you still go there a lot? Uh, not in a while, I haven't, but I will whenever I make my ventures over to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I used to go there a lot. And 
That's a pretty big feat to do. Congratulations again. You know, that's Thank huge. very much. When you beat it, did you know this was going down? Or did you like, like, are you looking at your score when you're doing this? Or are you just playing? Like, how does this all play out? Um, I've, I've studied on how they get the points and all that, like using the boomerang cross weapon, like knocking fireballs in a row from the skull dragons, especially some of the levels when it has that, it has the Medusa heads flying. I'm trying to time it right and then knock them and re get big amount of points, points, points added onto there because it'll go from 1,000, 2,000, 4,000, and 8,000 and subsequent, so on. And also in stage 13 where the red skeletons are, Equip myself with some holy water, and there's a section, there's three of them, and then just burn them off, and then um, they'll add points on right there every time, nonstop. It's amazing, but and it's a science back, too. Back right onto it to jump into the fire as well. It's not an easy game either, in my book. I mean, no, it's that's like a t- that's a difficult game. It is. It's like a ghosts and goblins, which mm-hmm. I still don't know why that game is so hard. And it happened to go through the game twice to actually officially beat it. It's oh, did you so when you when you beat this, this is like a big deal. Did you, were there like people there that realized like what just happened or like did you? Because yep. uh, I was gonna say you're wa- you're watching like a little piece of history there. That's a pretty impressive thing to do. Mm-hmm. People still like talk to you about that stuff every now and then. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, it's it's like something to be said about that. Um, it's it's a very hard game to play. I mean. Maybe it's easier for you because you're like you know a better game player, a better gamer. But uh, and also, I played it so many times and I studied on all the patterns, the techniques, and everything. It's better than Fester's Quest. That's a fun game too. I love Fester's Quest. I used to rent that all the time. You know, do you, do you remember going to like rent video games and you spend like thirty minutes trying to figure out which one you wanted? Mm, oh, all the time. And you're like, did I make the right choice the second you leave the store? <laughs> but but Fester's Quest, I felt like I should have owned that. I always rented that, and it was always like a, it was always a good go to. I always it thought was it was an fun. Underrated game, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it was it was underrated. Um, and then the other one, Super Mario Brothers Lost, is it Lost Worlds? The Lost Levels. Lost Levels. Um, you beat that uh, arcade version too, right? I beat the arcade version. About I'm close to the world record on that, but I never surpassed it. But close to it is pretty impressive. Yeah, but the Lost Levels, which is the true sequel to the second, or the one in Japan, uh, was the one I got the world record on. That's pretty amazing. How long did it take you to do that? Uh, about 45 minutes. That's, that's pretty quick. That's pretty amazing. It's not Jurassic Park times where it takes you 30 hours to beat a game. It's pretty quick. Yep, bada bing, bada boom. Um, all right, so I know we'll have a little bit more time. I know I've wasted enough of your time today, but uh, I wanted to ask you, best video game ever, in your opinion, as far as playability, as far as like cultural impact, like just it's like the, you can't go wrong with this game. If you had to pick one, I know this is a super tough question, but what would you like lean towards? Oh, it's The Legend of Zelda for the NES. That just exploring everything yes bombing uh rocks fires just to see what secrets you can unreveal sometimes you get a shop sometimes you get bonus signs, and sometimes you have to pay that old man money for breaking his door it's an epic game i, I mean, know and there's not just one but two quests in the game you're talking about the original legend of zelda correct from 1987 yeah that game is like it's a go-to you know that just that was the game. That's the game. If I was just stranded on a desert island, that would be my game. I take with me. It's amazing. It's so. And I I liked uh, Adventures of Link too, which was like I, super... I don't know why that game gets so much hate, but I do love that game. Yeah, yeah. I think it gets pretty tough kind of quick. That's I why know, a lot of people. I know it was like... per- the only thing is I know Japan. I think that was what we deserve for what we did in World War Two to give us that god awful game over screen. Oh, so bad. And then they ended on the Japanese version for the Famicom Disk System for their game over. It's just a black screen that says uh, the end or return of Ganon. And we get that silhouetted Ganon with that Soda Popinski laugh. That's the one I have. Yeah. Where it, as a kid, I play that and you lose. It's like, ha 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 ha. 
Ganon. Oh, I even watched the cartoons of that. It was like the Triforce of Power and all yep. that. Stuff. I got Tri-Star. that on DVD, the complete series of Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Oh, so good. Rest in peace, both of them. Danny Wells and the Captain Lou Albano. Yeah, rest in peace. Those were great. I used to love them. I know. And uh, worst video game ever. Is it going to be Friday the 13th or Circus Charlie or something else? It is Superman for the N64. Oh, that was so bad. Uncontrollable. That was so bad. That was like E.T. bad kind that of thing. That was worse than E.T. Oh. Uncontrollable and glitchy all at once. I think that makes every list of worst video games of all time at like number one. It was glitchy. It was it's a hall of shamer right there. It, it's like somebody it's like they, they had like a month to make this thing. For a couple of days. Right. That was super bad. Um, have you ever played Friday the 13th? Not much of it. It's not very good. I, I want to like it. because yeah, I've, like... heard, I've heard mixed reviews about it. Yeah, I, it's like there's some moments. It's, um, it's, you try to, you, I try to play it a lot. And like, I revisit, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like it this time. But then there's like these unrealistic time trial things they make you do. And then it just gets kind of weird. So you're like, ah, it's not really like vibing. Circus Charlie isn't awful, but it's like playability. It's just ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. it starts out a little bit okay, then it gets hard easily later on. It's just, yeah, that's what I, my opinion that. on it is. And um, before we go, I know you you had a little bit to drink last night. I want to ask you, hangover food in in Texas. What what, what do you go to? What do you have? <sighs> or should I not talk about food? I right? would have to say uh, tacos. Any kind of Mexican food's a good one. You can't beat it. Even just going to like a fast food taco joint or even going to a Taco Bell or something like that, that's all good. You can't beat Taco Bell. Oh, or you can't go wrong no. with it. Whataburger is always a good one. Oh, yeah. What, what, how, what do you get from there? Uh, I usually get a double burger there, some fries, and a Dr. Pepper shake. Because you eat very well. You're always posting stuff you eat online. And mm-hmm. it's always like something good. You're like, yeah, I'm eating this 42-pound burrito from something. And uh, it always like you're always like cooking or eating something like great. I always feel like a little bit of shame. I'm like, I need to like up my game a little bit. <laughs> yeah, about to say, yeah, I know you're definitely in an area with good Tex me- or Mexican food. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I never, ha- I never had California Mexican food. I'm not sure how that is different to Texas Mexican. I don't think it's as spicy. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, no, it's it's different. It's good. It's uh, mm-hmm. like you. Whenever I go back and visit Pennsylvania, I can never eat Mexican food there. I'm like, you guys just don't know like what you're missing. Exactly. It's uh... same with and vice versa with pizza mm-hmm. or cheesesteaks. Um, yeah, like, there's some actually pretty decent pizza places out here, but by far. New York City, Philly area. That's the top-notch ones. That's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And finally, you say cheesesteak or Philly cheese? Cheesesteak. Cheesesteak, cheese right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Philly cheese is only if you're not from that area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I've heard some people say it, like, Philly cheese. I'm like, what? what I, they say cheesesteak out here, Philly cheesesteak. Cheese oh, really? Steak. That works. Yep. All right. Um, well, I guess that'll be your time today. I know I've I've taken up longer hey, than I. I'm glad you took up some of my time. I could use that. I owe you. Uh, I owe you a beer if I ever when I see you again. I hope to. I hope to catch hey, up. That'll with you work right there, and I'll treat you to one as well. Let's do it, my friend. This is always. Uh, this is always a pleasure, and uh, it's. Please come back anytime, and come back soon because oh, I, I absolutely have... will be back. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Keith. Uh, Keith Carlson, everybody. Keith, thank you again, sir. I hope you have thank a great you, Mr. weekend. Thank you, Mr. Clark. I appreciate you having me aboard again. Take care, my friend. You too, sir. Thank you. Thank you.